now from the Cube. We're on episode 113, I think. We hit 100. Boy, a few, two weeks ago, we hit episode 100. Actually, just got off the phone with somebody that said they just finished listening to episode 100, and they really enjoyed that lesson, and it had me reflecting about that lesson, and it was with a gentleman named Guy Golan in Dallas that uh, has a website called Married to Busy. So if you want to go hit Married to Busy and listen to Guy Golan, I really enjoyed that episode and really enjoyed that conversation and really enjoyed the insight from Guy. He's a PhD that coaches elite, uh, elite performers, I guess elite achievers, professional athletes, lawyers, doctors that are essentially all in on their profession and have zero time for family, spouses. And he, so he coaches those elite performers and achievers, but he also coaches uh, the, the spouses of elite achievers and what that's like when you are married to someone that works 20 hours a day, you know, and they come home and sleep and they go right back at it and what that does and how damaging potentially that can be to, uh, to those relationships. And somebody just listened to that, just had a conversation with them. They were providing some feedback on that and really essentially how much they enjoyed it. Uh, which has me just reflecting on it at this point on how much I enjoyed that episode. So go back to listen to episode 100. But through that conversation I was just having, um, didn't know what, I, I had an idea of where this podcast would go, episode 113, because some of the things I'm uh, studying early in the morning as I open up my book here. Um, but, uh, but that conversation led me to this. Um, where I want to get to with this episode, and I'm only limiting myself to about 20 minutes with these episodes, so I know when to cut it short here or to wrap things up, which has really been good for people listening. You can listen to these podcasts now in one sitting as opposed to an hour and a half or an hour of me rambling and going on a rant for an hour, but um, it's easy to listen to me rant for 20 minutes or to take some content away for 20 minutes. But here's, uh, I, I wrote this down this morning. This is where I was going to go. We'll see how sidetracked I can get. But I was uh, on Instagram early this morning and just kind of filtering, uh, going through some things that I, uh, of the people I follow. If you want to follow us on our, on our Instagram page, we do have an Out From The Cube Instagram page. We also now have outfromthecube.com, a website that you could go follow or go hit, and I would appreciate that. But as I was going through my Instagram page this morning, there was a picture of Andy Frisella. And for those that don't know, Andy Frisella um, runs one of the uh, largest podcasts in the nation in the business space. And it is called MFCEO, the MFCEO Project, which stands for MF stands for what you would think. Uh, and then the CEO. So he is the MFCEO. Um, and it is the MFCEO project. But he had a picture of himself up there and it had some text on an overlay that said hashtag hard 75. We've talked about a little bit about his hard 75. But underneath there, it had the top 10 things he has learned by doing the hard 75, which is real quick. The hard 75 is 75 days of doing five things every day. Um, I don't, I might remember really quick, but it is. Um, a diet, it's working out, it's reading, it's water, and something else. So a gallon of water. Working out twice a day for 45 minutes each time. One of those times has to be outside. Reading. Uh, at least 10 pages every day of a personal development book. Um, and uh, what was the other one? Um, diet. 
your diet. I know there's one other thing that I'm just forgetting right now. So, but, and if you don't do it one day, you go back to day one. So you've got to be able to go 75 straight days of though of five things and you've got to check it off. So he's done it. And uh, there were top 10 things that he has learned by doing that, by completing it. And one of them was this, and I really liked this and I wrote it down and it was what I was going to talk about today. But he said this, this is a direct quote from, uh, from, um, Andy Frisella, my happiness is tied to directly to how much I test myself and then pass that test. So my happiness is tied to directly how much I test myself and then pass the test. The harder the test is, the happier I am with myself. That was one of his top 10 things he's learned. So it, it had me thinking about, uh, it, there's, so, there's so much there for me personally to unpack. And I don't know how that impacts you. But if you start talking about, you know what, I'm going to push myself to the limit. So when I put my head down at night, that I know I passed certain tests and I did it, and I'm going to feel much better about myself. And then if I do that crap every single day, and I test myself as hard as I can every day, and I pass that test every single day, how much better my self-worth, self-opinion, is about myself every single day and how it grows and grows and grows and the self-confidence that we talked about ad nauseum last week or two weeks ago and how much better it just compounds you know the compounding that we've learned about finances of doubling down on your money or paying yourself first and then how that compounds and then over time that one percent is just so much bigger just by paying yourself or the compounding of financial money, right? Or interest, right? And we all kind of agree to that and all the little financial books that we might read about how important that is. But if you do it every day, if you put yourself to the test every single day, how much that compounds on your self-worth, self-opinion, and self-confidence. I test myself and I pass that test every day is directly tied into my happiness is what he's saying. And the harder that I test myself every day and the more I pass those tests every single day, the happier I am with myself. So whatever that is, I'm telling you right now, I'm doing my summer 60 that I've talked about, which is a hybrid of his hard 75 because I wanted to involve my kids. I'm telling you right now, I can, I buy into it. I don't know where you stand with this stuff and it might be really hokey and you may not be listening to these podcasts and all that, but I know that it was working because of this. I've never, and I said this yesterday and it is not theatrics. I've never seen a kid, a youth, a child. I've never seen a kid turn a 180 on themselves as much as I have my, my own child over the past three or four weeks. I just haven't seen it. And it's not theatrics on the statement. My kid, because of our summer 60, because he's got to accomplish five goals every day in order to be rewarded daily, and I've cut video games out from my child, no video games, reading every day, running every day, measuring the running and improvement, basketball every day, water every day, and a chore every day. Like those are the five things my child has to do every single day. I've never seen it compound his self-confidence, self-worth, self-opinion more than I have with my kid. Like, I know maybe that's selfish, but I'm, but again, I get to see my kid every day and I see the transformation. All of a sudden my kid, Hey, 
Camden, I need you to go do X, Y, and Z. Can you go do this for me? In one sentence. Now he jumps up. Now he wakes up at 5.30 and he grabs a book. This is what my kid now does every morning. He wakes up early, 5.30 or 6, grabs a huge jug of water and grabs a book and sits and reads and drinks water. And then does his running in the morning. And, I'm, and how he feels about himself and how he's kind of carrying himself. Like, I know that's a child story, and I've said this maybe a week ago in a podcast, but it is us. You know, there's a, yesterday I'm listening to Jesse Itzler on a podcast with Tom Bilyeu, and I've heard it before. I've heard the lesson before. I've heard the message before from Itzler, but he essentially says, when I put my head down, I want to know, this isn't verbatim, but he essentially says, I'll put my head down every single night when I go to bed, and I want to know that I sucked everything out of that day, that I did everything I possibly could to, to better myself every day. And he, he thinks about his mortality, that I'm aware of my mortality, that I'm aware that I want to bring it every day and suck the most out of life so I leave it all on the table. And I don't know how that intersects you, but my happiness is tied directly to how much I test myself and then pass that test. And the harder the test is every day, the happier I am with myself. That is where I was going to kind of go with this, um, this whole podcast, because that hit me this morning. Um, and I will say this. It takes, and I wrote this down. I don't know who said this. As I pull my book back closer to me, and we maybe we won't get to the conversation I just had 10 or 15 minutes ago. But think about this. It takes... And why do I get juiced up about these people I listen to or this podcast or the conversations or the networking or the lunches and the coffees and these conversations I'm having is because I am so aware at 46 years old and I'm trying to be so much more aware and, and in a position to consume content and conversations and ideas from people than I ever have in my life. I, I, my work now is to be more aware, and let me say it this way. My mindset at 46 is to be more present in every conversation that I'm able to be a part of. To be more present and not thinking about the next meeting, the next conversation, what my kids are doing, where I need to be next, where I need to be this weekend, to be absolutely locked in on what is currently going on because it kind of goes along the lines with this quote, and I don't know where it came from. I might remember here in a second, but here's the quote. It just takes one idea to change your entire world or to change how you see your world. It takes one idea to change your world or to change how you see your world. Just one idea, one quote, one phrase, one story, one success, one celebration, one Example of what not to do, one person modeling the behavior you want, one person that has uh, maybe the responsibility you'd like to have or that has achieved things you would like to achieve, just one. One of those can change your life. Just one. One conversation. Your, there's a quote, not to quote Eric Church or get into country music, and I'm going to mess the quote up. Um, Mo, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sing it, so don't count on me singing on this podcast, but I'm a big country music fan. I'm a big music fan, big guitar fan. Eric Church, 
has, I believe, in the song Springsteen. You know, most days in life don't add up, but it's about a few days that kind of impact us. That's not the exact quote, and I'm not going to look it up right now. Most days in life don't stand out. Most days in life don't stand out, but life boils down to just kind of a few moments, right? And the idea is that your life can be very flatlined, not much going on, same old routine, nothing much, checking in, clocking out, clocking in, whatever it is. Most days in life don't stand out, but life's about the days that, you know, life's about these few big moments. And why isn't it a, like your life can change in a moment with one great idea, one great action, one great inspiration, you know, one great conversation. It takes one idea to change your world or to change how you see your world, right? And maybe it's that, maybe it's that my happiness is tied to directly how much I test myself on a daily basis. I'll tell you what, the people I'm inspired by right now, most notably like Jesse Itzler, and I was on his website yesterday looking about these challenges he puts out there. That guy's day is centered around testing himself and pushing himself to the limit. So when he's done and when he crosses the finish line of that day, that sucker feels so good about himself. And now he has built his own little tribe. And I've got, for those on YouTube, holding up my tribes book that is right next to me by Seth Godin. That tribe that now follows Itzler, he, like he's leading that tribe. And he is not only feeling good about himself, but he's feeling good about the, the service, inspiration, and leadership he does for everybody else. Because now he's got these things where they're climbing Everest. Like tongue in, like quote unquote, climbing Everest. I'm on his website yesterday and he's got a challenge out there that you can pay for where you go, are going to set up a base camp at the bottom of a mountain in either Salt Lake City at one date or in Vermont on another date. And you are going to hike the mountain until you've climbed 29,000 feet. You climb up the mountain, you take a ski track or uh, ski lift down the mountain. You hike up the mountain, you lift down the mountain, up the mountain until you have climbed 29,000 feet. And you, you camp out at the bottom of this mountain. So it's Itzler like figuring out how to push himself, to test himself, because he knows that his happiness is tied directly to how much he tests himself and then passes that test. And then he's built a tribe of people to do it. But I'm telling you what, Two days ago, that alarm went off, and I had every excuse in the world to not go work out, to not run. My girlfriend calls me or sends me a text message wanting to know how my workout went, and I say it didn't happen because I have a cup of coffee, and I'm sitting on the couch. Now I am being productive. I'm sitting reading my books and listening to my podcast, taking notes on things and planning my day and figuring out strategies for my clients and my employer. That's cool. But she asked me how my workout went, which I had time for, and I didn't do it. And she says, well, my three and a half mile run was great. Cool, right? A you know, celebrate and encourage, but then you're sitting there and I, at the end of that day and I'm sitting around trying to figure out what tests I put myself to and what tests I passed, right? And I'm sitting there going, well, shit, that didn't happen, right? I wonder, like, the things that I try to test myself on every day are like 5% of the elite people, right? The people that are crushing life, 
doing huge outrageous things that are changing their lives and accomplishing things and are CEOs and executives and directors or fitness and people that are super healthy and all this sort of stuff. You know, I think about Alan Stein, who we had on probably episode 21 or 22, 100 or so episodes ago, we had Alan Stein on. I encourage you, one, to get his book. I encourage you, two, to follow that guy on LinkedIn and follow him on Twitter and Instagram and all that. Because you talk about a guy that's crushing it, that has the same amount of minutes and days that I have and you have, right? But his happiness is tied to directly to how much he tests himself. And then he passes the test, right? We got to look at it that way. So as you walk the halls of your company, your clients, your showroom, or wherever you're at, and you want to test yourself and then link your happiness to passing those tests, like set those goals out every day. I have five things written down that I've got to accomplish today as part of my summer 60, and I've got one thing done, although this podcast makes two, and I've got to pass that test today. And I hope you do. Here's the other thing. I've got nine minutes. Here's the other thing that I wanted to bring up. I hope point one resonates with you. Point two is this. I'm going to put it in an athletic standpoint. And I'm going to paint the story of my experiences as a coach where I coached in Michigan for a number of years. I remember having seniors. When you build your culture up enough, your team, and you've got people that are um, bought in, believe in everything you say, may challenge you on what you say privately, like we talked about yesterday, but believe in the course of action you're taking, where you've got, let's say, seniors on your team that have been with you for four years. They know what you want, when you want it, how you want it done, and are able to help you deliver that every single time, kind of our definition of discipline, those people. Now you've got freshmen coming in that have no clue on what you want, when you want it, how you want it done and doing it that way every time. Like your freshmen have no clue. Your new employees have no clue. Now, most freshmen, most new employees, most are going to observe what is happening and will fall in line with those observations. They just will. They're gonna sit there and say what can and can't be done, right? But here's the thing. When you're seniors, I, I remember this specifically. I remember the players specifically, although I won't call them out by name, would come to me in my office, hey coach, so-and-so, a freshman or a transfer, this is what is going on. They're not tattling on them. They're not, you know, you know, snitches get stitches type thing. They're not snitching on them. They care about the program. They care about the company. They care about the team. They care about, you know, your client, like whatever it is. Hey, you need to watch so-and-so. This is what we have observed. He doesn't fit in perfectly, but here's what we've observed. And then I remember having those conversations saying, thank you. Like, you've got to honor that because you know where they come from. They know that you, they've been with you for four years, and you know that they care about the team, the company, and the program. Okay, let me observe it for the next week. Let me observe it. Let me identify it. Let me have a conversation with them and let me set some boundaries and some, let me set some strategies in place to take care of it. So here's the point of all that. As a head coach, as a leader, as a director, as a CTO, CEO, you cannot 
have the pulse of everything that's going on with your team. And you need to know the big ticket items. I'm not suggesting you need to know everything that's going on. But the things that impact culture, deliverables, you know, you know, team performance, anything along those lines, when people come to you that you know have authentic intentions, you know their intentions, you know it's authentic, you know it's real, and you know their opinion is valuable. That when they come to you, you can actually sit there and say, okay, I never would have uncovered this had they not come to me. And because they can't have come to me, I am able to now, my antenna is up. I am able to really think, listen, observe uh, in a reflective manner to evaluate that situation, to make a decision on it, to make a decision athletically like that guy's gone or that guy's role has changed or they're, you know, that maybe that the kid isn't gone, but hey, we need to change a behavior. Like that person doesn't understand how we do things around here and they need to have a conversation so they fall in line. It, what a great thing to have that being taken to a head coach, right? Because you can't be there all the time. Now, it is also great when your seniors, your employees that have been here for five, seven, 10, 12 years, don't even have to go to the coach. They don't even have to go to the CTO, the director, the senior vice president, the head tech lead, the whatever it is, right? The lead salesperson. But they can sit there and say, this is how we do things here. That's not how we do things. Um, we, uh, it looks like you're trying your best or maybe you're just a bad guy and we've got to take care of it ourselves, right? When you have a senior laden team, senior laden leadership, where they can take care of things without ever having to have it go up the chain. Man, that's powerful. But you need to have those people because you can't know everything. Even though in, in athletics, they, you get fired for not knowing everything. You get fired for not knowing everything. And it, sometimes you just don't know everything, but you should, right? So you need, to, you need to have those meetings with your team or you need to make sure that your senior leadership in your company, on your team, with your athletic program or your company feels safe. That when problems arise or culture is disrupted or something goes off the rails that you may not know about, but that could be impactful six months from now, right? Somebody said this, Ed Milet said this yesterday and I really like this a lot and I've really tried to figure it out in my mind. The problems that you experience as a CEO or as a company are the headlines that were written three months ago. There are headlines three months ago that if you don't address those headlines, it's not gonna happen for maybe for three months. And does that make sense? It makes sense to me because if I don't know that somebody's disruptive, I may not know that for a while, even though the headlines were written three months ago or a month ago reading today's headlines. You've got to address today's headlines now instead of addressing them three months from now when it's a problem, when it's a problem. So listen, two things to cover there, but my happiness is tied to directly how much I test myself and then pass that test. 
And the harder I test myself, the happier I am with myself. I tell my kids this, and it was something from David Goggins. David Goggins said this, and I believe it, and I'm trying to implement this mindset into my life. But I can do everything. I can do anything. Because if I attempt anything, I know it'll eventually end. If I know it ends, if I know that there is a stop date and it ends, I can endure anything. If it doesn't kill me and there's an end date and it doesn't go on forever, I can do anything. And what I tell my kids is this running that we're doing that's part of their summer 60, you can do it. Like, hey, we're going to go run a mile. Oh, damn. Like, hey, is, will, am I asking you to run forever? Is there an end to it? If there's an end to it, I can adjust my mindset to getting it done. Whatever it is. If there's an end date, David Goggins says, if there's an end to it, I can suck it up. My kids now, I wish I could, uh, I wish I could trademark the David Goggins quote because we say it every day. And I sit there and say, Camden, Tyler, my two boys, embrace the, and they complete the sentence, the suck. David Goggins says to do something that sucks every single day. That is his test. And he does it every single day. Embrace the suck. Do something every day that sucks. My happiness is tied to directly how much suck I can put into my life and complete it because it doesn't last forever. The suck does not last forever. And if it doesn't last forever, I can do it. I can do it. And I've got to embrace that mindset and that phrase because I'm sitting there going, should a hot cup of coffee, sports center, you know, good book, 4.45 in the morning sounds a lot better than Nike's on my feet running around my house and sweating. Doesn't sound good. All right, listen, I hope you had a great week. It's Thursday. Here's my test to myself. And I've got to feel good about passing this test. I'm going out of town. Some know that my dad passed away uh, about four or five days ago. Still can't figure that out. Still don't believe the truth to it. Uh, and just suck myself into work as much as I can and uh, some other things. Um, uh, but I am going to the Northeast this weekend where my dad lived to take care of and be with my stepmother and take care of some things for my dad with my brother. Um, and I'm committed to staying on the path of, of what, I'm, what I'm passionate about you know, and doing things again that my dad, that I know without question, my dad, my dad would take a vacation. He said, Hey, I'm doing this shit. And this is the stuff I committed to. And I committed to myself and I committed to my outcomes and achieving different goals and objectives. And I'm going to do it. Even if I'm in, even if I'm in Seoul, South Korea, which my dad was, and he'd take these business trips to Seoul, South Korea. And the first thing that he would pack would be his running shoes. Cause he would say, I'm training for a marathon. And just because I'm in Seoul, South Korea doing business, and my dad would go to these, the, the work, he, if he couldn't run outside, he would go to their workout room, their fitness room at the hotels, and he would get on these uh, treadmills, and he'd run 15 miles on a treadmill. And he wouldn't care, and he'd make no excuses, because his happiness was, derived, was tied directly to how much he can test himself and then pass it. And his test and his ambition was to do 
marathons was actually, to tell you the truth, to qualify for the Boston Marathon at 55 years plus of age. And nothing sidetracked him from that goal. No matter where he was, Seoul, South Korea, Australia, Afghanistan, Washington, D.C., or wherever my dad traveled, my dad always, always checked off the box of his daily ambitions and goals and where he was headed. So I'm out of town this weekend. I hope I can live the same way to the same standard uh, that my dad did. Thanks for those that have reached out to me. But I hope you've had a great week. I hope that you test yourself every day. I hope you pass those tests every day. And I hope that when you fall asleep at night, that you're sitting there feeling better about yourself and your self-confidence, your self-opinion, your self-worth, and that you wake up every day figuring out how to embrace the suck of the next day. Have a great rest of the day, great rest of the week. We will talk tomorrow. Get out of your cubicle. Take care.